All right, guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Level, with me as always, my co host, Dylan Rankin. We're back here. Uh, Super Bowl week is officially here. And as always, before we get to the Super Bowl festivities, we have to get to our awards for the 2022 season in the NFL. Here is uh, we are now down to two. The Chiefs and the Eagles will play, as we know, in the Super Bowl on Sunday. But, Dylan, a lot to get to before we get there, and we will have. All of our picks, uh, our prop bets, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, in the next episode of the podcast, we usually do our mega sort of Super Bowl episode. But for now, uh, it's time to reminisce on some of the most exciting and not so exciting moments uh, of the season, uh, as we'll talk about when we get to our our trademarked uh, AFC South Award, which is always a, a headliner here in our awards this season. Uh, we didn't get dressed up, Dylan, but um, there's some fun awards to talk about here. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, an amazing season, obviously, coming down to, I think, you know, we'll get into the Super Bowl, as you mentioned, more so in the next episode, but two of the more dominant teams of the entire uh, season, the two one seeds. I feel like it's been a, a minute since we've had the, the top two teams in each conference both make it all the way, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, there was obviously a lot of notable stuff that happened, a lot of things that teams that really jumped out from our expectations in the preseason, teams that fell down and faltered we'll get to some of those um specific players a lot of exciting rookies it's kind of tough to narrow uh, down that list a lot of coaches that deserve um praise for what they did so yeah it's a pretty wide open um group although there are some awards as we get down the wire you'll see some in some cases it was hard to disagree um it, it was easier to you know the one person kind of stood out but overall yeah it's always fun doing this episode um get, kind of get to look back because yeah the, the whole past week i know you know last week we talked a little more about coaching stuff and free agency and quarterbacks and whatnot um and we'll have more time for that but the last week i've mostly just been like consuming so much about the super bowl <laughs> and the matchup so really juiced up for when we do the episode later this week but uh it's, it's always fun to kind of you know, look back, especially right before now, it's, I think it's a good move by the NFL to have the NFL honors um, ceremony and award show in the middle of this week, rather than the night before the Super Bowl, having like Joe Burrow and those, uh, they're sitting in their close to their dorms at West in Westwood at UCLA, uh, talking and being interviewed, some Ram players showing up there right before they have to play in the Super Bowl. It's a weird kind of thing. I think they've nailed it, but yeah, hopefully we'll, maybe we'll get some awards that match up, but we also do our own kind of a uh, separate thing here on the show. All right. Without further ado, let's jump in to our awards for the season. Uh, if you're wanting the AFC South Award, don't worry. We saved that for last because um, even that is more important than the MVP choice uh, this season, which I don't think there's a lot of question about that. But um, let's start with our picks for most surprising team. Now, this is one, as always, there's probably you know a couple different ways you could go, a couple schools of thought here. Um, I thought there were several Good options. I kind of narrowed mine down to three, I think, and maybe four. You could add in someone else in there. But um, ultimately, we picked two of the four that I would have had on my list. Uh, I went with the Seahawks because I remember the discussion after the Russell Wilson trade. Um, you know, it's just like we, we thought the Seahawks could really just be in the running for that's one of the worst teams in the league. But they go nine and eight. They make the playoffs. Um I just, yeah, that's very surprising. And, of course, why that happens is going to come into play in another one of our awards here in a minute. But, um, yeah, I, I thought the Seahawks were, were, were just the – just for me personally, uh, I think they were the hardest team to make the case for if you were saying one of the worst teams that could make the playoffs, um, you know, outside of the Texans, I guess. But there are probably a couple others, too, that probably would not have anticipated. But 
I just thought they were the clear-cut last team in that division, and yet they finished nine and eight. And so I give the nod to to the Seahawks for me. Yeah, I think they're definitely up there in terms of expectations outside of Seattle. Our expectations, uh, what I again, like you said, I definitely thought they were going to finish in fourth in this division. and said they easily finished in second. Obviously, with both the Rams and Cardinals, the two uh, one in the teams that finished first and second in the division last year, uh, falling back the other way. Obviously, the Niners still made the playoffs last year, but yeah, it was uh, it's just a really fun year for the. For Seattle, I think they had a great draft, um, hit on a lot of picks. I know despite, and we'll, we'll talk about Kenneth Walker and how well he performed uh, in his rookie campaign. Uh, I know there's still some critics of how high up they took him, but um, across their entire draft board, I thought they did a fantastic job. The defense um, fluctuated at times, as we've kind of talked about. They uh, early at certain points in the season looked like they're overperforming. By the end of it, they fall back to 21st in DVOA, but um, still thought they had a you know overall a decent campaign and found some interesting pieces to build around. And yeah, it's just it, it kind of again a reminder of we some of these teams that aren't necessarily Super Bowl contenders. Um, from these but have great cultures that are still able to kind of stick around in the lean years. I think Seattle uh, reminded us of that. We saw that for many years with the Saints at different points of the Breeze era and even right there uh, at the end of the Sean Payton era before uh, after Breeze retired briefly. These teams are still competing, still playing hard, still tough to beat. Um, Well-coached team. Uh, I think we saw you know the offense really opened up. I think Geno at times was amazing. Um, we saw flashes in 2021 when he came in for uh, an injured Russell Wilson and didn't really look like they missed a beat at certain points, but I was really happy for him to get his opportunity. Obviously, they ran into a buzzsaw in the playoffs uh, with the Niners, but uh, overall, by the end of it, I mean, the biggest surprise of this whole thing is the passing offense for them. Yeah, they have talented players, but for Gino to put up the numbers he did, for them to have the efficiency that they did, I, I yeah, they're 100% most surprising. I think we, to be clear on most surprising, we, we always really talk about teams we have a positive surprise from. We yeah. don't, <laughs> we go, we'll get to the other ones soon. Yeah. But um, in yeah. terms of like expectation, if you had told me that Seattle was going to finish as a top 10 offensive uh, pass DV- DVOA, would not have really, you know, I would have been like, that seems uh, awfully bullish, but. Sure enough, they did it, and I think Geno's uh, as much credit to him, but also the coaching staff and some of the things they're able to develop. I, they uh, they came out really quickly early in the season. Yeah, at times it wasn't perfect over the whole course of the year, but they came out firing away early on, and definitely for a not you know, as much as a nine and eight team, you say that record is not necessarily maybe expecting the playoffs, maybe in the seven team playoff era. Now we're in. I think they really deserved it with the way they played. They had some really close losses too. They could have easily been an eleven and sixteen, which is pretty crazy to say about Seattle. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Seahawks, I thought, made, made sense. I mean, you're going to go, like I said, with the Giants. I mean, they're another team, right, that just yeah. – I think considering what the expectations were, um, yeah, like, I mean, again, to make the playoffs, to kind of get themselves in that spot, to win a game there, I think they, they certainly have to be in that conversation. So, yeah, I think the Giants make a lot of sense, too, uh, in that regard. Yeah, the expectations weren't – insanely high for them this year I you know we were both really high on the hiring of Brian Dable and just felt like they and they still still have kind of a similar feeling that they are a number of pieces away but they took the the players they had they put together a top 10 overall DVOA offense not just running like they finished 10th in pass offense DVOA that is crazy to yeah. think about what this, the skill players I think Darius Slayton obviously stepped up in a big way Daniel Jones uh depending on you know some of the opponents obviously again Eagles were a buzzsaw. It's not going to be the same when you play against Philadelphia and some of these top tier teams, but against other competition, I mean, 
they went from 32nd in offense to 10th. Like that is just, that doesn't happen uh, often. And yeah, the defense still has a lot to work on. They, they fell off a little bit compared to last year actually, but um, I, they have a lot of intriguing young pieces. Um, they're definitely have to fit into this mold. I was like, I didn't have, you know, I thought they'd be maybe better, but for them to be a playoff team and kind of comfortably get in where they're, you know, sitting guys in week 18, not, not something that I expected. Um, other teams that, you know, that maybe could have qualified if things went a little bit differently in offense, the Jets, for example, I know that they ended up falling off, but the, uh, just more from like a unit surprise, the fact that their defense went from, you know, as we talked about in the previews going into the year, one of the worst defenses in the league, they were worse in DVOA, they finished fifth. Um, so obviously the quarterback is something they're going to try to address this offseason and uh, some other question marks overall. But the fact that that defense got that good this year, um, one of the big shockers to me. And I know you mentioned uh, the Lions too, but I think we were both had a little optimism. They'd at least be kind of in the middle of where, kind of where they ended up being yeah. almost, um, but still obviously really impressed um, with what Detroit was able to put up there this season. All right, from the good to the bad. Um <laughs> Boy, you want to talk about having some some pretty clear choices at this one. Most disappointing team, I mean, let's be honest. If Dylan and I had multiple picks, it would be very easy to carve out who our choices would be. But I think there were two that stood above the rest. There's one that we don't have on there, and that's the Packers. I think for the Packers to miss the playoffs um, has to be considered one of the top disappointing teams. But there were two others that were more disappointing than that. And, you know, Dylan goes with the Rams, which, come on, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Noted Rams guy Dylan goes with the Rams. But once again, you can't argue with that. You're talking about the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, it's impossible not to be disappointed with a team that, you know, finished where they finished as the defending champs. Uh, and then for me, once again, another clear-cut choice here. The Broncos have to be on there. Um, they were a team that we talked about, you know, the FC West, the best division ever. Um, could all four teams get in the playoffs well? Um, mm-hmm. no, they could because the Broncos were downright terrible at times and, uh, offensively did, could do nothing. And so in that sense, I, it's, it's crazy to think that even the defending champions being where they were, I still think the Broncos were the most disappointing team, even despite the, the champs going five and 12, I think the Broncos are the most disappointing team this season, but take your pick on these two, because I think it's like the, to me, they're the clear two here. I know the Broncos had some injuries, but I guess from like the point of view of between the two, you could partially, you know, for the Rams look at some of the, you know, their offensive line, the fact that they didn't have the same five players start consecutive games until like the last four weeks of the year. Um, already a team that was transitioning there, you know, Stafford's injuries, Cups injury, Donald. I mean, like, they, yeah, they lost a lot of guys, but I still think they weren't going to be anywhere near to contending in the NFC, even if those guys had stayed healthy this year, in my opinion. I th- maybe they would have been a playoff team, but um, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to top. Yeah, obviously I have my own bias there, but in terms of a team being the having the worst record ever after winning a Super Bowl, um, it's pretty pretty like back to earth you're still happy it's, it's uh, interesting a good still situation in terms of being like well we won the you won a super bowl a lot of fan bases would love take anything they take you know years of losing at, just to get one ring so um i don't know if every fan should do that i think it's you know there's value to being a fun team year in and year out i think the rams will bounce back if they stay healthier this year so they have they have more draft capital not you know uh, all, all top picks but or some earlier picks than they've had in recent years so We'll see where they end up, but yeah, from the Broncos' point of view, I, I understand it because like they didn't have those same kind of uh, concerns. The defense balled out; um, it was a really fantastic unit for most most of the year, but the offense just fell as flat as possible. With 
yeah, they had some injuries uh, going into the year, um, losing Tim Patrick and some of the guys that you're, you know you're excited about what they might be able to do with their offense. They talked up, but it was it was as much as you can imagine in terms of like falling on your face with expectations. Um, it'll be really another interesting team to see as a bounce back candidate. Obviously, this year uh, with Sean Payton going into 2023 and how like it goes for Russell Wilson and. Some of the I know Sean Payton today had his intro press conference talking about how there won't be any private coaches for Russ and uh, in the building and all these different things. It sounds like he's going to kind of be the boss there and see if that might be kind of for the better. But yeah, outside of these teams, I know you mentioned the Packers. Um, I, even though they made the playoffs, I'd say Tampa Bay could kind of qualify too, just given yeah. you know they went from winning the Super Bowl to being right there on the cusp of making the NFC title game again to, yeah, they made the playoffs, but uh, in a, the worst division um, outside of maybe, I guess, the AFC South. <laughs> Both South divisions kind of had tough goes at it. Um, but they, yeah, they ended up still getting the playoffs. But I, I think uh, you had higher expectations for both Tampa, Green Bay, and the Rams. I mean, they're going into the year with the Cowboys and um, Niners. I think those are the top five, like, NFC odds teams. The Eagles were beckoning right behind. But uh, three, of you know, three contenders of the last couple seasons that were in the final four, both the last years to fall off like that. Definitely uh, uh, changing the guard a bit in the NFC. The Niners still sticking around, but uh, some of the other teams at least getting a go at it. But uh, we'll, we'll try to be more positive the rest of the way. I think that's one of our few negative uh, um, yeah. sections here on this episode. <laughs> well, we'll be negative with one team in particular once we get a little bit later on, but uh, that yeah. will be for more comedic reasons perhaps. Um, all right, exactly. most improved team here, uh, which again, you could go surprising team, Kind of tie the two together, maybe if you want, but we decided to go with different choices for most improved team too. Um, so there can be a little bit of a, a difference there between those. I went with the Lions. I just think the Lions, as you, you just talked about, I mean, they're, I mean, look, they're a team that we probably were higher on the Lions than some people were. Um, and certainly they were giving up a lot of points uh, there yeah. for a while. And, but, you know, you think about the way they finished the season, eliminate the Packers from the playoffs, finish with a winning record. Um, I think you got to give it to the Lions. Jared Goff looked good. Like there were just a lot of things you could take away. I think from what the Lions did this season. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I just think there was a lot of positives for the Lions coming out of this this season. We don't say that very often uh, for them. So I went with the Lions. Um, you went with the Jags, and I think that's another one. I mean, look at what the Jags have accomplished. You know, getting to the playoffs was for us. We said, look, we could see it, right? But we just didn't just didn't think they were going to get there. Um, and then once they do get there, they have just a ridiculous comeback um, and then go in, you know, to Kansas City and have a shot there, but ultimately lose to the Chiefs. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, two choices, I think, here that say may be fully clear cut, but they they have to be on your, your list if you're discussing this category. So. Yeah, I, this sometimes shows that uh, the stats do line up with our eye test. We picked these without – I didn't look at Football Outsiders or any other stats or anything on these two teams before we kind of talked about them. But they are very clearly the two biggest uh, risers in DVOA from last year to this year. Detroit went from 29th to 9th in overall DVOA as a team, and the Jags went from 32nd to 13th. So you're both – you have a 20, 20 raise and a 19 raise. So, I, yeah, we did a good job just based on what we – you know, our eyes – we see what's happening with these teams and where they were a year ago. Both, you know, obviously the, the lines were on the up and up last year, starting with Dan Campbell and the, you know, the culture he was building and some of the pieces they had. And it's just they weren't quite there. And even this year, we thought they might be a little early. But um, the turn, maybe last year for Detroit is kind of where 
maybe I thought the Jags would line up into um, this season with Doug Peterson's first go at it after what had happened with Urban Meyer. But obviously Trevor Lawrence is a different talent at the quarterback position and put on um, some fantastic performances, even as we've talked about with that game against the Chiefs in the playoffs. A few things go differently, a few balls that could have been caught and just little things here and there. I mean, they were right there with the team that's now playing, representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Um, so I think, yeah, in both cases for the Lions and the Jags, positive vibes for where they're moving. Both have still cap space, draft cap, all these things to keep improving um, with, with coaches that I think deserve a lot of credit that not, I don't, we didn't choose for our coach of the year options, but both guys that would probably be in our top five if we had to make a list of those. I think what Dan Campbell and Doug Peterson did with those two organizations um, couldn't be more excited about what 2023 means for them and their fans. Well, it's a great segue into our most memorable moment of the year because you and I went with the same one. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting because, look, we, we can't remember everything, all right? There's probably some stuff we're going to look back on after we do this episode and we're going to be like, you know what? We forgot about that. We forgot about that. But So maybe, Dylan, some recency bias comes into effect here. However, it's warranted because we <laughs> both went with the Jags come back against the Chargers in the playoffs because it was such a, you know, again, it's just not – one of those things you see all the time, although we did see it uh, with the Vikings and the Colts uh, in a different sense. But this was one, I think, given the setting, given the what's at stake, um, you know, and, and just for reference, okay, memorable moment. Um, I think we have to accentuate the word memorable there because um, obviously there was another moment that I think if you're talking about one moment that stands above the rest – the DeMar Hamlin situation uh, is going to be that. But uh, if we're just talking about most memorable moment of the year uh, in terms of game action, uh, all of that, the, the Jags coming back to beat the Chargers just was it's, – it's, it's, again, it's not funny because I know Chargers fans are still not happy about this and they won't be for a long time. But, like, the, the stuff we talked about heading into that game was just like, boy, could this be one of those Chargers games? But we did never thought it could be to the level that – it actually happened, and so, I mean, I think this for me was probably one of the few moments I could remember from the season, perhaps. But um, I think this is one that that clearly stands out uh, as one of the best moments of the year. Yeah, we usually target something that combines stakes, quality teams, and uh, with something on the line. Yeah, um, like uh, yeah, the Colts and Vikings comeback was insane and and memorable. And there's a lot of great, fantastic games. We'll get to our game of the year to talk, and we'll talk about those. But um, in terms of, you know, that was, you know, Jeff Saturday. Maybe that could be an off-field moment, hiring Jeff Saturday. Uh, one of the more memorable things that happened with the, with the Colts. But um, from the point of view of this, uh, with what happened to the Jags and Chargers, yeah, this is a game that is going to, and not that the, there won't be highlights of the Vikings comeback, um, and that and some of these other classic games, but I think this is a game that will be noted as one of the you know best playoff games of all time. It'll still be there's a you know the reason that's already in the top like three or whatever of biggest comebacks in postseason history that already says enough of what this meant and how it's going to stick with us and what it means about the Jaguars um, and their ability to you know there's a kind of a theme this year they they fought back from a lot of big deficits and. Uh, and also, maybe this is a turning point. Maybe this is something, uh, not not maybe the best analogy, but um, with, uh, think of the Virginia basketball team that, you know, they're a one seed, loses to a 16, and they win the national title the next year. Is this the moment for the yeah. Chargers where they have something that, you know, not nearly maybe as surprising as that, um, given that never happened in NCAA tournament history, but uh, to, to have such a big lead and blow it like this, 
maybe, you know, there was a lot of calls for Brandon Staley's job. They do move on and get Kellen Moore as their new offensive coordinator. But maybe this is the moment for the Chargers where, yeah, we can, instead of just being the, the, the butt of a joke, this could also be the start of, hey, we've addressed some of the things we need to with this offense, um, get some things in store, and maybe Justin Herbert just comes back as an absolute menace in 2023. But, yeah, this uh, the game itself, yeah, I mean, it was – in slow motion, just watching at certain points, you just felt like it felt inevitable at a certain point in the second half that the Jags were going to find a way to win this game. Um, the fatalist kind of point of view of some Charger fans coming to fruition, unfortunately for them. But uh, yeah, just a, a, one of the be- you know craziest playoff games we've ever seen. And uh, for me so far, and we'll see what happens in the Super Bowl. This is, I think, the, the game that I'll stick with me the longest after the season. Yep, I think so too. Uh, for that one, on to our breakout player of the year. A um, couple, again, some good options here for this one. I went with Geno. Of course, I picked the Seahawks as my most surprising team. I mean, look, considering, you know, if you're on social media for the past however many years and, you know, if if everyone's talking about the Jets' failures over the years and all this other stuff, you know, Geno's name has been brought up a lot. And for him to just have the resurgence he had this year, that quite frankly, I don't think anyone saw coming. Um, I think he... He has to be, you know, at the top of my list, I think. And so I went with Gino here, um, but you also went with the choice that, you know, happens to still be playing, and that is Jalen Hurts, uh, another, you know, option considering what the Eagles done, did this season. And um, so I think two good choices here because, again, I think it was more of the waiting to see it from Jalen Hurts, knowing that it was there, it's just kind of waiting for that actual breakout to this level to happen. Meanwhile, for Gino, it's like almost the opposite where it was just – no one ever thought that it was going to get to what it actually got to, and it did. And, again, that's why it kind of pushed the Seahawks into one of the more surprising teams this season. Yeah, I think Gino's a really good pick, and I think arguably maybe is the the, the better one here in terms of just given where he was to what happened. Uh, you know, we saw flashes from Gino at times, but uh, I'd argue maybe some more flashes from Hurts. Uh, didn't see it coming together maybe quite this well. Obviously, you add A.J. Brown, you add – the scheme continues to change. Um, they have so much talent overall in that offense, the offensive line, obviously one of the best in the league, if not the best. So he has a lot of benefits going to him, but I think Jalen himself just kept building up and kept getting better. And, you know, this isn't on the level of like his stat jumps. When you look at his numbers at uh, Alabama uh, before Tua took over to when he went to Oklahoma and his like numbers just like exploded, obviously much different uh, teams he's facing and all that stuff. Um, but still to go from, Oh, this is a this player could be our future quarterback. That was kind of the is like, you know, do they have to make the system too much around him? This is a year where we're going to see if Jalen is the the number one guy moving forward to being a you know in the top five of the Super Bowl or uh, sorry the MVP odds by the end of it. So it is um it's been striking um, what Jalen's been able to do this year, and obviously that doesn't take anything away from what Gino did. I think he um, going you know has waited years for his opportunity. Uh, really to to be a full-time starter like this uh, since early in his career. So many injuries, so many things have gone against him. Um, I think Gino definitely uh, now has proven himself that he, and it sounds like Seattle's going to, believes that as well, that he's going to be their quarterback for a uh, number of years and uh, deserves to be because, yeah, he was straight up, you know, really good. <laughs> he had a fantastic year, which is not necessarily something we thought was going to happen going into the season. Yep, I think so. And um, on to the next one. Here, our game of the year, and we doubled up on this one. Um, again, there's probably going to be some we're going to look back on and say, oh, yeah, that was uh, – and, you know, there have been some playoff options there too. But 
I still think back though, to the the Vikings Bills game, and I think that was the one that probably topped them all. Um, just you think about all the wild twists and turns in that game, and just the high level. Yeah. That thing played out in that fashion. Just a remarkable game. Um, and yeah, like I, you know, again, you could go like Jags Chargers, you could go Colts Vikings. Um, for the comebacks, I think those were more. I don't know if that, again, the entire game's probably not game of the year status. You know, the comeback yeah. is to that level, but in terms of just full game and just the way the game played out, two teams that were as good as the Bills and Vikings were, it's just, it was hard to find another high level game like that, I think. Yeah, we mentioned a couple early season Dolphins games, Dolphins Ravens. It was kind of a crazy comeback. Yeah, for, um, crazy. And yeah. also the week two Bills Dolphins game back and forth all you know all the players getting falling down with you know, all the heat they had and all that but yeah this one was in terms of pure like drama and just back and forth swings like the fourth down conversions um so, you know i think this was the game that had like win percentile the vikings were like three percent or some really ridiculously low number the, the amount of things that had to happen for them to win this game obviously the josh allen fumble on the on the snap there and the fact they still fight back to keep it going forward and yeah, just a ridiculous game. I think one that, um, in terms of just pure drama and swings, it, it ultimately uh, there was a lot of great games. Obviously, it's a really fun season and a lot of uh, back and forth affairs um, between teams that were in the contention. Obviously, you can make an argument if you wanted for some of the you know the AFC title game and some of these games that maybe they weren't as high scoring, but they're still you know really high drama that you know, even the Cowboys Niners game we you know we talked about how much we loved that one and didn't have the same feel but just for pure like insanity and almost like Madden-esque uh, flips of uh, like a video game almost in terms of what's happening and back and forth scoring and quick scoring getting down the field yeah the Vikings Bills game is a really hard one to beat another one that I'll uh, definitely be in my brain and, and one that I'll go back and watch the highlights from from time to time it's just such a fun game yeah, it was fun indeed with that one. Um, yeah, I just don't think another one reached that level this season. All right, our rookie of the year. Um, I think you and I were like, let's get a couple choices in here, like because I th- I think there's going to be one that's going to kind of stand above the rest, and um, I think that Sauce Gardner for the Jets. I mean, he was just, I mean, look at what he accomplished there, and again, that kind of makes the Jets struggles down the stretch. You know, it would have been interesting to see that team in the playoffs, but they lose six in a row to finish the season, finish seven and ten. But he was so good. Um, and so I, I think on the defensive side, he's – I went with him. But, again, you, you've got Kenneth Walker, too, as as a choice here. And, and I think that's another one that I won't say you forget about, but, like, I guess you kind of do just in the sense of, like, you know, the injury, those kind of – like. but, I mean, when you really look at what he did just to kind of <laughs> explode onto the scene – um, and again, it plays a factor in this Seahawks resurgence. Um, yeah, I mean, he's another one that I think has to be in that that discussion. Yeah, partially, uh, you know, we looked at the uh, rookie of the year odds, and he's the the leader at the moment. So that partially impacted my decision here. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, Sauce in terms of just immediately becoming a number one corner. That's you know putting up. This is a, a game, a matchup we actually have the Seahawks and uh, the Jets where. Uh, I yes. in many re, re, uh, many ways helped uh, was won his fantasy title because I was facing DK Metcalf and he did absolutely nothing um, because yeah. Sauce Gardner just shut him down. Uh, they was that happened to a lot of number one receivers this year. He was everything, all the expectations, all the numbers that were, you wondered would translate from college and beyond. Like he was fantastic, and uh, obviously the Jets really 
hit on that one. And I, I think he deserves, you know, we, we, we didn't even see him in the top few of the, of the rookie of the year odds. I feel like he needs a lot more praise. I think he's one of the best defensive players, not just of rookies. I think he's one of the best defensive players overall this season. Um, so I think he deserves more love. But yeah, Kenneth Walker doesn't take away from what he did in terms of just clearly becoming a number one back. Um, so dynamic, added so many different, you know, you notice the difference when he was out at times for Seattle, the way he hits the hole, the way his vision is, uh, you know, again, things you were hoping would translate from Michigan State, I feel like as well as it could have uh, for Kenneth Walker in his first campaign. Uh, some receivers I know that are mentioned up there, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, both, in my opinion, had really great years. I, you know, it's, it's hard to compare when we've had the last couple years, um, you know, Jamar Chase's rookie year, and then before that, Justin Jefferson. It's Those guys are putting up numbers that are obviously they broke each other's, you know, set a rookie record and then broke it immediately after. Like those are hard to compare. I think our expectations for some of the rookie receivers are a little out of whack because of what they did. But I think, I think Garrett Wilson and, and Olave may be behind these guys at one, two. I think they still deserve a lot of love and uh, kind of stood out uh, for me as well. All right. Coach of the year. Um, I went easy choice. I mean, I went just, I guess with a layup, if you want to just base it around wins and such, I went with Nick Sirianni for the Eagles. I mean, Look, I, I know sometimes Coach of the Year, we're, we're more often the, the reward goes to the guy that was on like a team that overachieved. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the Eagles going 14-3 and three is, is also kind of overachieving a little bit, even though, you know, you could have picked them to win the division and such. So I'm going to go with him. I just think the Eagles, again, were so good for much of the season, and they're still playing. Um, so I decided to make that my choice. You went with another one that I think is a very good choice and may actually – you know, again, wind up um, right there with the chance to win it. And that's Dayball. We talked about them earlier with the Giants and, you know, just kind of them becoming one of the surprise teams. And um, so I think, you know, NFC is kind of racking up uh, the Coach of the Year honors in, in our awards here. Yeah, there's a division that, you know, we're, we've talked about this only a couple of years ago. All these teams had losing records in 2020. Um, and now they have three playoff teams and Washington right in it. Till the end of the year, um, yeah, I went with Brian Dable because just yeah, for the reason you said, um, often this award goes to guys that do more with less or less ex- expectations. You think of McVeigh's first year with the Rams, coming off of the of the era before with Jeff Fisher in the four and twelve debut season in L.A. Uh, think of some of the years that from you know that he was already there for a little bit, but Kyle Shanahan going from a team that wasn't winning games to suddenly becoming that dominant force they were in twenty nineteen. Um, uh, I do. Yeah, we've talked about this at times. I wish this award there was a way to have like a separate kind of tier, like one for that uh, honors like the what the coach of the year kind of is right now, which is those people that kind of defy the odds and take what uh, you know a, a tougher circumstance and make it work. I think there we, we don't at times reward enough when you look at like the amount of times Bill Belichick and Andy Reid have won coach of the year. I think these guys are clearly like if you if you had the rank best coaches in the league. Um, and I, you know, they consistently, uh, would be up there as your top kind of guys. So I, I don't completely, uh, you know, in the case of the Eagles, I think Sirianni is a good case of dominance and, you know, taking a, a big step. So I like your pick a lot too. I think he deserves more praise. I, I know there's players on the Giants say, I forget one who the player was on the Giants that said that he got a, basically a free ride to the Super Bowl based on the roster talent of the Eagles, but that is a simplification of what this team has done um, as, from an offensive scheme point of view. Yes, they have great talent. Yes, they've hit on draft picks and trades and free agency acquisitions and all these things that Howie Roseman's done so successfully there in Philly, but I think they've taken the players they've had, built a system that 
makes it really tough to defend them. You know, um, it makes it so that you have teams. Yes, a lot of things went against the Niners in that NFC title game, but they were still running through a team that no one is able to run through. A lot of times, you're a lot looking at the linebackers and different guys on the edge that are having to hesitate just because of Jalen Hurts and what he can do. Um, so yeah, I think that this is. I still think that Sirianni deserves a lot of credit, and if he won the award, I'd be. He would be a you know, amazing choice, but obviously with, yeah, I picked Dable just because the Giants, I still think they're so far away. Um, and, uh, for, we're not, you know, not so far away as a team from competing, but in terms of like so many, they have a lot of pieces they still need to add and different changes that I think they're going to keep making, but to do what they did with the guys they had this season, I think it was a really impressive job. So I just slightly put Dable or Sirianni, um, Zach Taylor, I think deserves a lot of credit kind of in the same lines almost, um, with Sirianni in terms of like taking a team that had expectations, but and they obviously made the Super Bowl last year. But I think they also evolved on offense in a way that yes, they got better offense alignment. I think the Bengals deserve a lot of credit for the what they did and Zach Taylor, and then obviously Doug Peterson too with the Jags. Um, he's yeah. right there in this kind of range with the, what Dable did, I think, uh, this season in, with New York. Defensive MVP, boy, we had a tough time with this one. Um, yeah. I mean, there's only one choice, right? Like, it has to be Nick Bosa, and I don't – I mean, I guess it's, we're probably better off just talking about the guys that could have been in the conversation because, I, I mean, I don't know who else to pick at this point, Dylan. So It had to be Bosa. Like, he, I mean, he was an absolute wrecking ball all season. Uh, he's been for most of his career when he's healthy. Um, I, I, it's hard to even, like – you know, there, yeah, there's other players that had good seasons. I think um, you mentioned Chris Jones as being – possibly in the running. Obviously, Micah Parsons is one of the best defensive players still that if you had to take one guy for your team, you know, would you take Bosa? Would you take Parsons right now? They're both relatively young. Parsons a little younger. Um, that's an argument to be had, sure. But I think in terms of just what was put on the field in 2022, the most dominant defense, in my opinion, was the Niners defense for most of the year. And uh, Bosa was the, a big part of it, obviously. I think he's one of the most disruptive amazing physical talents to watch it uh, on the edge um, there for the Niners um, and the stats kind of bored out this year. So I, I think, yeah, there's a reason why odds, you know, we both picked him, but also like the betting odds are pretty heavily slanted. It's almost like a slam dunk pick that Bosa is going to take this award home. Yep. I think so as well. MVP. Well, similar. I mean, that's in the same spot here because I think, uh, there's not a lot of debate on this one either. Patrick Holmes just done some ridiculous things this season. Remember, remember long ago when we were talking about, oh, there's no Tyreek Hill. What's going to happen here? Um, maybe the Chiefs are going to start their downfall. Well, here they are playing for the Super Bowl. Mahomes, MVP season. Um, that was a fun discussion while it lasted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he was he's been everything for years, but he kind of is the same kind of things that we've talked about with him um, in terms of he had like quotes after they won the Super Bowl of like, I'm just starting to learn to read NFL defenses. And you're, it's a frightening thought um, to imagine all the success he'd already had. Um, but then, yeah, you look at the numbers this year, it wasn't like some, you know, Aaron Rodgers and him at, I think I forget if it was last year, 2020, you could have kind of gone either way. And Aaron ends up getting those uh, couple of awards the last couple of seasons. But I think Mahomes obviously was right there, but this year there's not like one person that, is quite on his level. Yes, I think Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and uh, Jalen Hurts and um, even, I mean, you look at Herbert's numbers were pretty ridiculous this season. There's there's guys that had fantastic years, but Mahomes was just on a different kind of planet. Um, like you said, without Tyreek Hill, they looked better and more versatile um, at, at times. Uh, you know, he 
didn't have quite as many costly picks, still had 12 interceptions, but it wasn't anything at time for the most part that ended up costing uh, the Chiefs. So, yeah, I think that he's the best player in the NFL. He's the player that, you know, and we can debate and we do love watching so many other quarterbacks, but if you have to have one guy for the next 10 years, I, I, I would have a hard time uh, trying to make an argument for anyone but Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah, this year was uh, one of his best, and hopefully he's uh, just continues to get healthy uh, going into the Super Bowl. Obviously still looked fine for a large portion of the AFC title game, but had a few throws, right, where he, you know, his plant foot kind of felt like he underthrew some balls that he usually would have just been fine. So, yeah, hopefully these extra couple uh, weeks, uh, the extra week there between the Super Bowl and the conference title games, um, we want to see, you know, no matter who you're rooting for, uh, maybe not if you're an Eagles fan necessarily, but overall, if you just want to, you know, for the most part, you still want the best player, best players at their best. And I think Mahomes this year, I mean, some of the drives all throughout the season, I mean, just so efficient and calculated the talent, the way he sees things, everything. He's just, he's a, you know, he's a, a monster. If you're uh, a team trying to beat him, he's the, he's the boogeyman. Cause he's, he's always going to come in there. Um, and, and obviously fights till the end, and you saw that in the AFC title game. And I imagine it's for a reason that we'll get to our Super Bowl picks pretty soon. Um, but man, he, he makes it really hard uh, either way. It's like you want to if you have a pull for the Eagles and other fast facets of the game, and then you're just like it's Patrick Mahomes, man. It's hard to it's hard to pick against him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like there's no other choice. Like he's he's Patrick Mahomes, and that's pretty much all you have to say at this point. Uh, all right, we wrap up with the one that everyone waits for each year, the AFC South Award. And, of course, this is always based on our just love affair with the AFC South's just wackiness. And so we've always been, you know, basically the AFC South brand here, just talking about just the weirdest things that can happen. And so we, we've dubbed this as an award since we started the podcast several years ago. And um, so the AFC South Award. And what do you know? Usually there are so many options in this division that we can go with. However, somehow, some way, there was a unanimous decision this year on our vote, and there's only one it can be, and it's the most AFC South thing ever. <laughs> and Dylan, it is the Texans um, somehow giving up the number one pick uh, and the final day of the regular season, which in turn has now helped the Colts be in a position to get a better pick to get a quarterback. Um <laughs> I mean, it's it was the most AFC was South thing ever for the Texans to make the comeback, to go from being a lock for the number one pick to giving up the number one pick. Now the Colts get a better pick that could they could draft a quarterback that could haunt the Texans for years to come. <laughs> That's the AFC South we know. So that is what makes this division so special. I, you know, I'm a little worried of with what's happening in Jacksonville. They're going to be too good and too fun. No, I mean the Titans obviously have been a really good team for years as well, but this division does have a soft spot in our hearts um and the, yeah just a weird division it always has kind of seemed like you know a lot of every division has its own personality and characteristics but there's just something about this one and this, yeah this summed it up better than anything not just that a team could you know have multiple fourth down conversions to lose the number one pick the way that the texans did but the fact that yeah simultaneously how important it was for you look at now the colts are in a prime position uh number four to possibly trade up to the number one spot with the Bears. I don't think the Bears trade back too far because, uh, you know, we'll get to draft con uh, talks pretty soon. But the, the wide kind of takeaway is everyone thinks they want either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, and they're not going to be able to fall too far to get those picks. So whoever was kind of a quarterback needy team in the top four, 
was going to be the behind Houston was going to be the one that had a chance to to trade up, and that team might have been Carolina, might have been a couple other teams that are a little further back there. But because of their outcome here, not just uh, with Houston winning, but the Colts losing, yeah, they get to that four spot, and now yeah, it's you know a lot of decisions to be made. We'll see if the Colts end up trading up. They still could sit there, and if they're happy with one of those top three QBs, they still could get their future guy regardless without having to make that move. But still a still a notable thing that I it's just so. It was so perfect. It was, again, the way that it was happening, too. I just love Scott Hansen's reactions to it because we're, he's trying to, like, be zoned in on outcomes that impact the playoffs. But he's like, this, there's just something. He's like, things are still happening. We're still playing in, in, a, in I forget if the game was in Indy or Houston. I think it was Indy. That's right. And it just kept going. And it just, by the end of it, you're like, how are, and perfect with Levy Smith basically knowing he was on the way out to get that win there, too, to, to impact it. It was just everything you could want from this division. And uh, the runaway, like you said, we've had some other years where some weird things have happened, but this one, this was everything. This would have been one of the kind of, even if this can't happen with two teams in a different division, this would have summed up this award really well. And, of course, it had to be the Texans and the Colts doing it, a team that yeah. also the Colts. You know, we could have, the only other thing I thought of was the fact that the Colts, Hired a coach with no coaching experience um, at the professional level, <laughs> Jeff Saturday, like that. That also maybe had, a, had an yeah. argument there, but he was part of this, so it, it works out yes. great. He was involved as well. <laughs> you can tie it all together just by by doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, I again, we I guess if we didn't have another choice, the Jags come back against the Chargers probably could have been on there, but. Um, that's too this good, though. That's too positive perfect. of a moment. <laughs> yeah, that's that's too much of a good thing. Um, AFC South, we're not used to that. So, um, anyways, uh, there you go. There are awards for the 2022 NFL season, and uh, always fun to look back at some of the high moments, the low moments, and such uh, each year, and uh, always one of our more uh, entertaining episodes as we go through all of our picks. But, of course, Dylan, the picks that really matter are the ones that are yet to come, and that is going to be our picks for the Super Bowl uh, on Sunday, and we will have all of that in our next episode going through, breaking down the matchup, all that good stuff. Uh, but plenty of coverage over Clutch Points to get everybody ready for everything involving the Super Bowl. So let everybody know where they can find all of that. Yeah, all of our Super Bowl discussion, all the news, all the players getting to Arizona this week now, all that coverage you can find in the Clutch Points app in the NFL section, also the NFL section of our website at clutchpoints.com. Yeah, tons of stuff about the Super Bowl, obviously, but yeah, we've moved, as we've talked about in some of these last couple, few episodes, we've moved on to, for the other 30 teams, uh, no shortage of content looking at teams, uh, players that are uh, potential cap casualty roster cuts, um, obviously early free agent targets. We've started looking at the draft, so and no shortage of any of that content. You can search NFL draft uh, on the team page and get to all the draft content for a specific team and uh, free agency, everything. So no shortage if you're if you're ready to you know enjoy the Super Bowl, but at least from the, your uh, reading and consumption pleasure, you're uh, moving on to other teams and your team in particular. Yeah, we're trying to get all 32 still covered here at Clutch Points with plenty of stuff. We know the next couple of months are very are, you know vital to um, what's going to happen in the 2023 season and beyond. Yep, be sure to check it all there at Clutch Points, and as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, search for Establish the Pass. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast, and we'll talk to you next time here on the Establish the Pass podcast.